I'm excited to start this new series um, called Heroes. And one of the things that as we're unpacking this, we, we, we you know, I, I think about heroes and I think about Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the hall of faith. And, and, you know, when I'm just praying about this and thinking through it, you know, our history, our history is full of heroes. Um, our culture is enamored with heroes out of the top 100 uh, highest grossing movies, 25% or more are based around a hero or a superhero uh, themes. Little boys, they drape, uh, you know, bath towels around their shoulders, you know, and pretend to be Superman. How many of you have ever pretended to be a superhero? Come on, there we go. You know, and it, it's you know it really is. It's crazy uh, because when we think about this, um, well, well, for example, you don't you don't want to know how many songs were written about heroes. You know, did you ever know you were my hero? You know what I'm saying? Just thematic stuff. You know, so there's just something about heroes. In, in our culture, and we're created, and it's because we're created and we're wired for heroic things because we're created in the image of God. And at the heart of God, God is a rescuer and He is a hero. Amen? And so our world is in need of heroes. We, um, we have countless unsung heroes that are very visible Unvisible, invisible. We have, we have lots of heroes that are visible and they're celebrated. And then we have a lot of unsung heroes that never get the spotlight. They never get the media coverage. They never get the social media feed. And yet they're, they're heroes. You know, I, I, as, I'm, as I'm considering the message, I realize that we've got, we've got many people in our congregation that are heroes. We have dads that are heroes. We've got moms that are heroes. My mom was heroic. You know why she was heroic? Because she, she prayed for her kids and every one of her children is, is a believer. Every one of her grandchildren. There's something where she, she dug in. Was her life perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. It was broken. Because when we look at these Bible heroes, we find out that so many of them were flawed and failed people. You know, they, they, they wouldn't, a lot of them wouldn't measure up to what our standards are even in society. You know, and, and so when we, when we look at this, and I recognize it, I also realize that a lot of us, if, if we looked at those, that list, a lot of us would qualify to be heroes because God's not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for the PP people, the pretend perfect people. He's looking at people that will just lean into Him and then walk with Him and allow God to use the broken pieces of their life in a way that's basically transformational and restorational. We saw some of that restoration today. As people are coming in into the, into the water of baptism and coming out, and the old stuff is washed away, and the new stuff symbolically is coming. There's new seasons of life on people, and I believe that today there's people here. There's a new season, there's a shift that can happen that God desires to happen in your life today. But you know, here's the deal. A lot of times in our culture, we also have a lot of fake heroes. We got a lot of heroes that the, the media has made, you know, social media has made, created stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's just, it's not, it's not like a biblical hero. How about this? Um, there's a game called Guitar Hero, right? I'm thinking, come on, Guitar Hero. 
That's a hero. Like if I go grab a guitar right now and I just start like shredding, somebody's going to get saved. Right? I mean, it doesn't even make sense what we call heroes today. You know, so I'm thinking guitar. How many of you ever played guitar here? I'm probably, okay, I get it. Man, you were heroic. Right? Not really. But see, you know, see what we do? We, we kind of label everything as like, well, they're a hero, right? And we, and we have to do this because our culture labels common feats, sporting feats, even sinful activity. When someone comes out as an example of being heroic, champion the cause of sinful activity does not make you a hero. We call all kinds of people who can perform and are labeled heroes when biblically they should have the elements of ethics and compassion, family values. Um, a man named Dill, uh, Bill Deval writes this, we need to rescue a biblically informed definition of what a hero is. Biblically informed. Not media informed. Not cultural informed. Biblically informed Basically, definition. And so the Bible's full of heroes, and we want to take the next few weeks and unpack the stories. And as many of these stories, their journey has impacted our life in a profound way. And you'll, you'll also find once again that all these heroes are flawed, failed, and imperfect people and would res- resemble many of our lives. So, what my life looks like, so what your life looks like, Jesus is the only perfect hero. Amen. So it gives me hope though, because throughout the Bible you find men and women who would fit in the category of a hero. Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the hall of faith. And and one of the things in that chapter, because it identifies, you know, uh, heroes in the Bible, but in 1138, it basically speaks of men who the world was not worthy of. And I don't know about you, but that that just kind of touches me pretty deeply because like men who the world was not worthy of, that's the kind of, you know, that's a kind of influence and impact that they, that they walked in. And just like every rescuer, every EMT, every firefighter, every person that rescues, like we talked about last week, has some different tools, has some different components, has some different aspects of what they bring to the table. And so I want to talk about a couple of those uh, this morning to you. The first one this morning is faith. It's faith. I want to talk about, I want to unpack faith a little bit. See, you can't unpack the hero story without unpacking the faith of the hero. You, you got to recognize there's a component that is so essential, and that is faith. In Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, y'all with me? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen for. By it, men of old gained approval. And then we find in verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So how do you describe faith? How do you describe faith maybe to a person that you know is new to church or doesn't really know anything? And sometimes it can seem kind of like ethereal and, and mystical. And like, how do, how do I describe I have faith? Well, here, here's the thing. Um, sometimes we got to break it down because faith is a qualifier. You know, faith is a, is a hero qualifier. Uh, faith sometimes has been just 
reduced to just believe. Well, I believe. Well, what does that mean when you say, I, I, I believe, I, I believe it? And it's not that simple because in James chapter 2, verse 19, clearly says that even the demons believe. So it's like, well, I, okay, so I believe, but I don't want to believe on just that level. I got to believe on a different level. You know, kind of what's happening there. The easiest way to think about faith to me and to try to explain faith is, is believing, but in the depth of that belief, there's also a transferring of loyalty and allegiance. See, this helps me kind of grasp what faith is. So when I think through this, I think of it in the context of, of marriage. See, when I, uh, about 41 years ago, when I, when I basically uh, said my vows, you know, with Robbie, I, there, there was, a, I mean, and part of it is, will you be faithful, right? Well, that faithful has this decision that I make of changing my allegiance or moving my authority from any other woman to her. See, I've, I've shifted my allegiance. I've shifted where before, and now it's now. And so there's a, there's a faith. It's, it's in the context. See, it would be really weird if like with marriage, if I just was standing in front of the altar and the preachers, and he said, uh, well, would you, would you just believe in her? It's like, yeah, I believe in her. But she wants more than just belief. She wants an adherence and an allegiance. And with every decision like that, there comes a code, there comes conduct, there comes an outpouring of what does that look like? You know, what does that look like? What does it mean when I say, I do? What does it mean when she says, she does? Well, then there's an expectation that shifts and, I, and her loyalty is to me and my loyalty is to her and there's an allegiance shift, if you will. It'd be like, you know, these guys that like... <clears throat> You'll never see him go from a Ford to a Chevy. I just heard a couple amens. You know, because it's like, well, wait a minute, it's Ford. It's like they, they won't go to a Ford to the Chevy until they drive my Chevy. Now, nah, they ain't going to go. They ain't going to go. No matter. I've got one family. They named one of their kids. His middle name is Ford. Like Ford, right? I mean, that's allegiance right there. That's, that's dedication. You know, I... I until they, you know, until it's found on road dead. Then, then, you know what I'm saying? Oh my goodness. So, so the faith is a fidelity and it's a commitment. And then faith, because we're thinking about faith, faith is also obedience. And that's where people kind of get all like wrecked a little bit. Like, wait a minute. What do you mean faith is obedience, right? Well, it's a component of the kind of biblical faith that we're talking about. Because when we, when we look at this, it's not by works that you're saved. You couldn't do anything. Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So we, so we, so we get that. It's, it's by faith that you're saved and not works that any man should boast, right? So we know that there, but we know that there's works and we know that there's obedience. So how does that work with faith? How does that, how do we bring that into, to an understanding of what that means? But see, here, here's what I'm saying. I have faith and I believe, and then obedience is the response. 
I have faith, I believe, and then obedience is the outworking of that. I have faith, I believe, and then there's something that I walk in because of that faith and of that belief. And it's a beautiful marriage when we understand that. See, James writes this. James is a tough book. I mean, James just like, you know, he's like that preacher that just comes in. You know, Martin Luther actually didn't really appreciate James, the, you know, one of the early church fathers. He just felt, he called it the book of straw. Because it's like, man, it seems like it's so legalistic, but later on he kind of turned around. But here's what James writes. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. See? There's a marriage. There's a partnership. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. There is a, there's a coming together where, but the problem is, we get it backwards. Religion says, if you get all dressed up, and you hold your mouth right, you ever had, you know, ever been fishing like with your dad or something, and it's like, well, you know what, if you hold your mouth right, you'll catch some fish. <laughs> Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but we say stuff like that, Right? But religion basically says, hey, if you just, if you just, you know, kind of get all cleaned up and washed up and then God will accept you. And that's not the gospel. The gospel says just bring who you are and what you have and, 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 and put your faith and trust in God and then he will start working in you. So I also want to think of faith this morning as something can be built. It can be strengthened and because it's necessary and it's imperative in the life of a believer and in the life of a hero. I'm talking about biblical heroes today. See, um, Jesus rebuked some people, some of his disciples saying, oh, you have little faith, which shows me that there's something, the possibility about me having more faith. And then we also see that the apostles acts also ask him to increase their faith. So they, they realized there was a deficit here. There's a deficiency in here. There's something that I want to, I want to, you know, and it's kind of a scary thing to say, God, would you create more faith in me? Would you, would you help me to, to, you know, to, to, to have this faith grow in me? And I'm telling you, one of the things that Robbie and I prayed on the way to church today was I realized, you know, that the thought that struck me was, Lord, I want people when they're here, when they leave, I want them to feel bigger on the inside than when they came. Because that's the kingdom of God. You know, that's the kingdom of God bringing hope. You know, that's the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's about clearing out some of the distractions and clearing out some of the stuff that's, you know, there's just a noise that goes on in our lives. How many of you realize there's a chatter? There's just chatter that happens all the time. And what we really were praying was, Lord, please just let your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, just, just bring something so that where there was hope, hopelessness, now there's hope. Where there was addiction, now there's freedom. Where there was uh, uh, anxiety, now there's just joy. You know, that's, that's the hope when we come together and we see what the Lord is doing. But I, but I, but I look at this and I see that faith is this incredible combination of belief, trust, conviction, and loyalty. And when the Bible talks about this kind of faith, it's faith in God. Now see, we can have faith in other things. Think about just faith. Just go there with me. Take objects. We, we 
you know, we, we have faith in objects. See, see, because my car has basically started every time I've went to start it, then I don't wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning wondering if my car will start in the morning. You follow me? Unless it's a Ford. <laughs> I declare to you right now, my next truck is going to... I don't want y'all getting... I don't want you to get all offended, man. I'm going to have Ivan help me shop for it even. But think about that. Because what happens is there's a consistent testimony of my car starting. And it actually builds my faith because they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimony. We saw a testimony of people coming in here this morning in the water of baptism. And I know that it encouraged us. I was encouraged like... God is moving, right? In fact, it might be the thing that you're here this morning and you're a believer, but you've never been baptized. We're going to give you a chance at the end of the service to just come up and get baptized. I mean, we're set. We're ready to go, right? I actually wanted them to leave the lid on so I could stand on this thing, but Ivan was pretty sure it wouldn't hold me and I would be all wet. But think about this. We We have a faith in 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 objects, right? I mean, uh, you know, my wife would, she makes sure that, that every morning the coffee's ready and she does it at night. I mean, she gets everything ready and et cetera. So I have faith that every morning the coffee is going to be there. It's going to be there because there's been a consistent testimony. I'm telling you what, God's goodness, God's promises, God's consistent moving in our life provides and helps us to grow our faith. See, those are objects, but we're talking about biblical faith. And biblical faith is the trust, the obedience, the conviction that we have in God. And then the fruit of that, the outpouring of that, is the works, is the stuff. It's like, show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. There's a partnering together, right? I read a story by a pastor named Nicky Gumbel recently where he, he met a young soldier when he was in the army and the new recruit used his boots as a visual aid. He called one of the boots trust and one of the boots obey. And the left foot and the right boot, the left and the right boot of Christian life, that's a great illustration of trust and obey. Trust and obey. And that really is another illustration of faith. Now, faith, the importance of faith to a hero is because it's impossible to please God without it. Let me break that down just a little bit in Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe, there's the word believe, which we, which we get, and that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. What we're talking about, where there has to be a bridge of trust, confidence, or conviction that's built. Think in the context of relationships that you have. Think about the context of a marriage relationship. What kind of relationship is that if there is no trust? Right? Relationships are built on trust, on confidence, and conviction. I'm convicted that there's some things that I that I'm called to do in this marriage relationship. So when we look at this relationship, like, like my sons 
For example, when, when, when there's a, a right relationship that was happening, that's happening between them, they have a trust and a confidence. There's a security. If there's not, if there's not a right relationship, then you know, all bets are off. It, it gets really messy. Amen? So, and, and as a father, when my, my sons trusted me, it actually changed the atmosphere of our relationship. How many of you have had relationships where you're like, nah, I don't know if I can trust that person? Right? So in essence, what's happening is it brings, that trust brings a peace, it brings a security. And when we're in right relationship with people here, there are benefits. When I'm in right relationship with my heavenly father, there are benefits. I sense peace. I sense direction. I sense protection. I sense companionship. And I sense ultimately the power of the kingdom of God is available. And, and, and once again, think about this. The, if my sons are in right relationship with me, there is a peace and a confidence and, and I'm, it's favorable. It's like I'm pleased with that. There's, without faith, it's impossible to please God because where there's a broken trust, conviction, relationship, then there's something that needs to be repaired. So when we look at this, the basic definition of faith, loyalty, allegiance, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, I'm shifting my allegiance from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of heaven. I just made a shift. When I say Jesus is Lord and Savior, there's a shift that happens where I'm saying my allegiance is no longer to this earth. It's to His kingdom. That's profound. And it, what it means is that that basic definition of faith aligns my heart, my life, my spirit, my will, and all I am to God being central in my life. And that kind of faith is like, oh, you get it. Pleases God. Now, when I, when I continue to unpack this, I entitled the message Unsung Hero. Because once again, there's heroes that are visible. They're celebrated. There's a lot of unsung heroes that never get the limelight. They never get the spotlight. And, 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 and once again, biblical heroes are men and women of faith that are activated and operating. And the world needs biblical heroes. So let me, let me, uh, let me just kind of tell you a, a, a parable We'll just unpack a parable that Jesus taught. Uh, maybe I'll have, my, have our worship team kind of just start slowly making your way up here. I think it worked out pretty good the first service to do that. Sometimes we, I love what, what Ivan said, sometimes we practice the first service and we perfect the second. But when I think about this, so we're going to unpack Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And it says, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Now, for one, it's like, boo, you got a, you got a lot of, you got a lot of gall to put Jesus to the test, right? But he said, and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? You're a lawyer. You should know what's in the law. That's what lawyers do. Lawyer, right? What is written in the law? How does it, how does it read to you? What do you, think it, what do you think it means? What do you think it says? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as well. 
So he knew it. Check the boxes. He knew it intellectually, right? And so the conversation goes, continues to go. And he said to him in verse 28, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And the thought that I had is a lot of times we're always trying to change the parameters. You know, we're we're trying to like, okay, but who's my neighbor? Because I have like a neighbor comfort level, right? I got great neighbors. Seriously, I have the best neighbors, y'all. I got neighbors on the corner that are amazing. I got neighbors across the street that are amazing. They are easy to love. Seriously, they come over and have coffee with us. You know, they they hang out with us. They like those are easy. Oh, that's easy. You know, love your neighbors yourself. No problem. I love my neighbor. That's really good. But there was something more to this. And so this lawyer asked him, "Well, who's my neighbor?" Because I don't know about that neighbor over there. That neighbor over there, his dog's barking all night long. That neighbor over there, man, he drives up and down my road so fast. He leaves dirt and dust and all that. He's doing brodies out in front. I gotta lo- do I gotta love that neighbor? Is that really my neighbor? So, so here's the here's the reason. He wanted to adjust the pra- he knew the correct alignment and he knew the right orientation, but he wanted to adjust the parameters because we have our own box. I don't know if I like that box. Can you define neighbor? Can you just like, okay, I love my neighbor. I love my neighbor, Johnny. Johnny's awesome. I'm good with that. But Jesus replied to him in verse 30 and said, a man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him. Went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to that place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey, this guy had just as much stuff to do. He's on a journey as the other two came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, took and put them on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I will return, I will repay you. Wow. And then Jesus asked the question, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said to him, go do the same. This story begs for a hero. And Jesus picked the hero that they did not expect because he picked the hero that would respond. See, the religious guy, he didn't respond. There's no compassion in him. The Levite didn't respond. They had things to do, places to go, people to see. Listen, if you're going to be a hero, it's not going to be convenient all the time. 
In fact, what's interesting is when we look at this story, the, the, the hero in this parable is not listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He doesn't even get a mention of it. And yet you look at what he did. We find out that the lawyer wanted to know about eternal life and getting there by a legal roadmap. He checked all the boxes. We find the priest and Levi didn't want to get out of the religious box and touch someone who would make them unclean. Maybe make them miss their turn in the temple. We've checked all the boxes as well. And we find that Jesus identified the Samaritan as the hero. Wow. Unsung hero. A biblical hero is not someone who scores and wins the game with seconds left. A biblical hero is one who has compassion. A biblical hero is one who has mercy. A biblical hero is one who will go out of his way at the risk of his own life, at the risk of his own reputation, and give his life for somebody else without the thought of his own. We see that this guy not only took care of this took care of this, this beaten man, but he took him to this place and he said, hey, listen, I'm coming back and I'm going to make sure that financially you're okay. This is crazy. Think about it. He was messy. I got a little bit of water on me just baptizing people. The first, first service, uh, I, I had the honor of baptizing my, my nephew and my niece and, and her children. It was so good. But when Alicia came out of the water, the first thing that she did was she turned to me all soaking wet. And she wanted to give me a big hug. And I went, whoa, okay. You want to give me a hug? And she says, yeah, well, I got one later. But think about what this guy endured. Because he said this guy was half dead. He bandaged him up. I had blood all over him. Probably kept him from whatever appointment that he had. And this was the guy that the people of the day felt like were unclean. This guy preferred others. Set him on his own beast. Brought him to a place of safety. Came back and checked on him and helped him financially. That's an unsung hero. About a month or so ago, I got asked to go and, and help a friend with some dog training, and they needed a they needed somebody to shoot, you know, shoot, you know, shoot birds and stuff while they train dogs. I'm like, hey, that's cool, man. I'm into shooting, no big deal. So we drove, and and we dro- and I thought it was going to be a short trip. We drove and we drove and we drove, and I thought we were almost to Southern Idaho by the time we got where we were going. And, and we do great time. And then I'm coming back, and man, I'm tired. And it's like four o'clock, five o'clock. And I hit Highway 41, and I saw as I'm coming up, I see a, a, a truck that's kind of on the side of the road, and the tires has been blown up. I mean, like yard sale all over. And there's this young, uh, there's this young. It's a a young lady in high school, and she's laying out underneath this. She's laying a third of the way into the highway. And I'm like, oh, somebody will help her. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I've got to stop and help her. So I pulled over and turned around, and, 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 and everything was out. I'm telling you what, people around here, they don't slow down, y'all. And I, I kind of parked my rig like, you know, like a, a law enforcement guy would to just kind of like shield her. And I'm like, you got to get out of the road. These people are crazy. They're going by at 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. They're not slowing down. I'm out. Listen, y'all, I'm out there actually waving. I'm, I'm out there like waving people down and I'm pretty sure I got the single finger of affirmation I mean it was crazy and I'm like I don't have 
exactly what I need to help you. We need a floor jack. And I called a friend of mine. And basically, within about 10 or 15 minutes, man, I don't know if they were eating dinner, watching TV, but they put everything down. And in about 15 minutes, I had a Calvary out there with a floor jack. And we got her in and got her. Sometimes you got to have other heroes too. You got to have people that will lay down their stuff. A biblical hero is one who would spend their life offering what they have to those, even at their own cost. Even if it means suffering and losing their life to accomplish it. I want you to think about this. When you consider yourself, when you, can, when you consider yourself, when you consider others above yourself, and you're willing to risk, you're willing to reach out, you're willing to, to help those in harm, you are a hero and we need more heroes. You may never get the spotlight. You may never make it in the media page. You may never get the recognition on earth, but I'm telling you what, there's something where God sees. That good Samaritan never knew him by name. And yet here we are over 2,000 years and we're still teaching. We're still unpacking. We're still basically learning by the, the act of, uh, of being heroic that he did. Can I just say this? You are hardwired to be a hero. You're hardwired to be a hero. You are wired for it because you're created in the image of God. And at the very heart of God, He's a rescuer and He's a hero. Come on, can you just get that? And the thing is, is that if you're waiting for yourself to kind of achieve some sort of perfection, it ain't going to happen. We're all just kind of still rough around the edges. You know what I actually really appreciate? I kind of like, I kind of like rough people when they first come into the kingdom. Because they're not pretend perfect. They're just trying to get on this journey and, and, and allow the Lord to change them. And then when, when God changes them, but listen, it starts with faith and obedience. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Have faith, trust, and obey. Jesus was the ultimate hero. He had compassion on us. If you have compassion, you have mercy, you have grace, you're willing to just open your heart and your life, God will use you in a profound way. And the world needs what God has put inside of you. I say this a lot. I say this a lot. Christ in us is the hope of glory. You are a walking hope chest. Just waiting for the right opportunity to be open and give and release everything that God has called you to do. Can you just give me an amen with that? Let, let me ask you this. Will you respond to that invitation of life today? If you're, if you're here and you've never taken that step of faith, that step of not just, well, I know about Jesus, but I'm talking about shifting your allegiance. I'm talking about that kind of faith that says, I believe, and there's a shifting of my allegiance, and I realize that it's not to the things on earth, but it's to the things in heaven. If that's you this morning, and I believe there's some people here, this is your opportunity. You saw changed lives come out of the water. You saw the profession of faith. You felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. You felt grace and love, and like, I don't even get all this, but something feels different. I'm telling you, I believe that's the invitation 
of Jesus where he says, Come all you are weary and heavy laden and I'm going to give you some rest. The beautiful picture that we see in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear me and open the door, I will come in. And I, this beautiful picture of the door of our heart and, and the handle is only on the inside. Only you can reach down and open it. Nobody's going to reach and open it for you. It's just you. And if you're here, I'd, I'd like you to bow your heads and bow your hearts just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, it's time for me to open the door of my heart and allow Jesus to come in. It's time for me to take that step of faith and shift my allegiance and I'm going to believe and I'm going to walk with you and you've never done that before in your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just raise your hand. Come on, it should be easy in a place like this because there are people that are going to absolutely celebrate with you. If you're here, you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I want to I want to give my life to this Jesus. I want you to just wave at me. Just let me see you. I want to agree with you. Thank you, sir. Any, anyone else this morning? Like, today's my day, man. I'm shifting my allegiance today. My allegiance is going to be to Jesus. I'm going to open my heart. Father God, I just praise you so much. Can we put our hands together and just celebrate together? I actually love, I love the word repent. The word repent is a power word in the kingdom. Sometimes we've kind of like made it so religious and made it like that, you know, turn to burn hellfire type thing, like repent. But it's the first word that John the Baptist used to start his public ministry. It's the first word that Jesus used to start his public ministry. And what it simply means is it means having a second thought that reveals the error of the first thought and causes you to go in a different direction. That's repent. There's times when, as believers, we just need to have the power of repentance working. Oh God, you just showed me something by your Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn and go the other. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a powerful thing. Nothing to be ashamed about. But I'm going to repent today and just say, Lord, I want to shift my allegiance to you. Lord, I, I haven't given my whole heart to you. I haven't been, you know, I mean, all my, my mind and my heart and my strength and my soul. I've been holding something back. Today, I don't want to, I want to be all in. One of the, one of the guys that was really profound to me that got baptized he'd approached me and he said I you know I was baptized a number of years ago but he said it was different than he said I'm all in now I'm all in now it might be you this morning where you say I need to make that I need to make that proclamation of faith where I'm all in